Very good afternoon, listeners. It is 5 o'clock on this 11th day of January 2021, the first This Week in Moab show of the new decade. We're going to do that. I decided last couple of days, um, any discussion about whether it was this year or last year, I think it's best last year stays last year and we begin a fresh decade in 2021. So welcome one and all to This Week in Moab, the weekly interview show bringing you um, members of our community who play a prominent role in various things today we're going to really focus in on education delighted to have um, coming in zooming in um, dr liana etchberger who's the associate vice president of usu moab and a little later in the show we'll also have the executive director of cfa cfi which is canyonlands field institute his name is Jory McComber. Both individuals are very responsible for educating um, youngsters and not so young um, individuals. And we're going to delve in to um, both of these entities and what they provide. We'll double check in with Liana. Hi, Liana. Welcome back to KZMU in this new world. This is your first um, virtual appearance, so to speak. Yeah, first, first at KZMU, but we've been going virtual for 10 months now, right? <laughs> Indeed. How, let's just, you know, quick, we'll quickly reflect back on 2020. I think it's fair to do that at this point, just to maybe tell what went, what went through your um, organization in this, and that's in a strange year that just passed. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Um, you know, we were actually really well poised to, to, to adapt and to pivot compared to maybe some other institutions because we already do. We are, you know, with our statewide campus system, we already do a lot of interactive broadcast courses and we have a lot of online programs, you know, pro- some programs are fully online. And so, you know, we have a lot of um, instructor support, uh, you know, theory of, you know, practice, how to, how to do these things effectively. And so a lot of people were able to, you know, have instructors anyway, or have already been doing some of this. And so it was really pretty easy for them to pivot really quickly for us to go to online and finish. And and, and interestingly, um, you know, course evaluations were not too different, you know, after all of that kind of switching around and things like that. So I I think we did a good job that way. Um, Another thing that uh, I'm really proud of is, um, with all of the, you know, the CARES funding that came through, um, and then this, uh, the In Utah um, programs, mm-hmm. there's the uh, Learn and Work in Utah. There was some CARES funding that went through the uh, Utah System of Higher Education and came out to us, um, and we were able to really quickly come up with some certificates and cover uh, new certificates in um, computer science and some business entrepreneurship um, and a bunch of career and technical education programs here that were fully covered to help people, you know, who have been displaced or would like to um, improve their employment. Uh, so we had um, a lot of, I think, six CNA students to be certified nursing assistants. Oh, wow. um, and we had um, a couple folks in the community here in Moab, I believe, in Grand County that um, took advantage of a computer science certificate. Um, so that was pretty exciting. So how was, I mean, was enrollment, I mean, how did it affect enrollment for you? I mean, you obviously had a class and a year in full session when the virus hit. So they, they were able to complete their studies and you, there was a graduation took place. 
God, you know, there wasn't a graduation, which is horrible. Isn't well, I mean, a, a virtual but, graduation, perhaps? Yeah, well, we did, you know, they were all sent. We did as much as we could to yeah. be, feel special, you know, and, and they got a little package surprise um, in, the, in the middle of the year. But there really wasn't, I mean, there's a lot of students and it was not, you know, we wanted to be fair across the system and we, sure. we didn't have a... Um, an official event. No, and understandably so. And this, and the year, and the current year was a good enrollment for you in your into your current year. This past twenty, I guess twenty twenty one. Interestingly, we're, yeah, we're doing pretty good. And uh, you know, unfortunately, sometimes when there's economic hardship, you know, that's more people come to school. Mm -hmm. And so we haven't seen um, huge enrollment uh, changes. But you know, we'll find out for sure. Um, uh, you know, see how things go with the, the spring semester, but fall was fall was pretty okay. It was very interesting because something pretty major happened last year in the midst of everything else that was happening in the pandemic and, you know, very big year in 2020, but there was a groundbreaking for your institution. Do you uh, want to talk a little bit towards that? I mean, for me, that's, you know, quietly one of the most exciting things that happened during last year. You know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't to a big... I mean, internally, I'm sure it was a huge day for you all, but, you know, you can't really see anything yet. You know something's happening on the site. So let's talk about that a little, if you yeah, wouldn't mind. Yeah, so um, we were so excited because this has been a, you know, when I started here three and a half years ago, people were like, yeah, that'll never happen. That's, you know, what <laughs> we've been hearing about this forever, right? No, really, really, we're going to do this. And so... Um, you know, we're working real hard and everything is in place and we're ready to break ground and celebrate, you know, thank our, our donors who helped us get to this point and, um, you know, do the ceremonial shovel some dirt. And we just decided at the end, well, we had, we were going to have 10 folks up there and sort of maybe do like a live streaming or something and, you know, have everybody socially distanced. But that weekend, right before it, you know, the governor declared in a state of emergency. And we just thought, you know, I, I me personally, I want to, I want to be a good role model. And, you know, I would hate for there to be some, you know, super spreader event, <laughs> something that had to do with USU. So we just decided that it's probably really better. We had a we had a video that we released on that day, and we sent out um, you know announcements that ground has broken. <laughs> but um, it, it's it's funny. My husband and I uh, were thinking, you know, we need to do something, right? And we had we plotted and did a, a, a funny little video. I rode my bike from the old campus to the new campus, and I oh, wow. shoveled some dirt all by myself <laughs> with this in the spirit of everyone else being there with me. Leanne, if you wouldn't mind, would you explain to those maybe who are listening exactly what's going to be happening at the site and maybe just, you know, for those that are maybe new to the community and are unaware of what's been going on, not beneath the surface, but definitely going on for quite a, no quite a number of years now and how it's coming into fruition, so to speak. Yeah, so, so um, many years ago, um, the Holyoke family, a local family, donated some land uh, for a new campus. Um, and there was a little... Um, uh, switching around to get to uh, to the um, location that we have today. So there's 40 acres up um, on the hill, uh, about three miles south of town, up on the west side of the highway. Um, and there is a master plan for you know future days. But you know we we go one building at a time. <laughs> and you know our mandate here, Utah State University, we're the land grant institution. Um, and so we are, our mandate from the legislature is to serve this community. So the folks who live here, that's why we're here. And so 
Um, we're starting with uh, our first building up there um, and um, the city and the county, you know, city of Moab and Grand County uh, helped, you know, were really supportive of this idea, but there was no access to that land. And so they've um, built a road up there for us. It's called Aggie Boulevard. And um, it goes up at the end of Aggie Boulevard is where USU, our first, you know, the campus uh, land is and where our first building is that has begun. And um, construction is well underway and you can watch the construction live if you go to our website at uh, moab.usu.edu slash new campus. There's three cameras. You can get some views and watch 24-7 what's going on. And what is that facility intended to be? Isn't that to kind of replace what is existing that you're currently operating out of? Mm -hmm. So part of, uh, you know, to to pay for that building, we will be um, uh, selling our current uh, facility. Mm -hmm. And um, and so we'll be we'll be moving up there. And so it's a it's a. It's nice because it will be designed for learning, right? So it's going to have, you know, little places for students to study. It's going to have what I'm especially, especially excited about. We will be up there with um, some new programming that the infrastructure in that new building is going to allow for. So we're going to have um, a, a, some shops that are going to have a, a construction and a welding and fabrication lab. So that stuff that we don't have right now, we're going to have a science teaching lab that we don't have right now. The high school's been really great in sharing their facilities in the evenings with us. Um, and so we're really grateful for that, but we'll be able to grow some programming with our own lab. Um, the uh, extension is coming with us, our, our uh, Grand County extension, and they're going to have a demonstration kitchen, which is new for them for 4-H and for, um, you know, healthy eating, sharing those kinds of things. Um and then we, we have, uh, we'll have a nice uh, state-of-the-art nursing teaching with a simulation lab and uh, health professions labs, so a bunch of things that are going to um, really help us uh, provide great programs. And that's, I mean, you, that's basically, that's phase one. And you, you did allude to this a little bit earlier when you mentioned a master plan. Mm-hmm. Would you mind just painting the picture of what you see? I mean, let's, you know, we're obviously going to go out a few years from now, but maybe 10 to 20 years from now, what, you know, maybe we, we can expect as a community happening in that area, because I'm sure it's, it's beyond just the school facilities too, correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, the, um, the, <laughs> the sky's the limit so long as we can find the, the uh, financial support to do it as always. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of options that we could do there. We could um, something that I think would be uh, great is there's a lot of uh, research that goes on here and field trips coming down from not only Utah State University, but from other um, higher education institutions in the state and across the country come out here. This is an amazing place, right? Um, And so if there might be some sort of a, uh, like a education or research facility that could possibly be there one day, I mean, I'm, these are just- Say, uh, just say the sky's the limit with money. Just say the funding comes on stream to the, you know, better than you expected. I mean, just let's, you know, paint the most optimistic picture. I mean, obviously, you know, just to kind of say what the potential could be possibly. Yeah, the potential could be to, you know, uh, the most likely thing would be uh, structures that will be able to expand our offerings. Mm-hmm. Any chance of perhaps a conference center at some time at the facility? I mean, you bring a lot of educators here just 
seems that would be a good would kind of fit in potentially with what's the existing industry that we have here in town which is yeah, tourism be, we would be willing to explore things with the community yeah yeah, yeah. is there any i've heard word about that there would be some housing around the, obviously not that you're directly involved with as far mm-hmm. as usu goes but in that area where the university is going i've heard that some of that land is going to be offered over for some housing developments is that that's correct as far as you know yeah you know it i don't i, I don't want to speak because i don't know firsthand you know the details there but um I, I my understanding is that there is a developer there who's um started uh working with the city to uh build some housing up there and and um I, my understanding is that it's you know there's some multifamily and um places where uh students potentially could live you know if if I, I was talking to a mom one time, you know, and about how we uh, we don't do housing because we're here to serve the community for the people who already live here. But um, she said, God, that'd be great if there was someplace I could get my kid off the couch, <laughs> you know, um, and still, you know, save some some money. Uh, yeah, but we don't have housing, but there is some some development that has um, sure. is in the planning up right next to us that would be right off of Baggy Boulevard. Now you mentioned the mission of USU is obviously to take care of the local community, which, of course, you know, there's a lot of ch- kids here that would look for higher education. And, of course, adults also. It's not exclusively mm-hmm. for high school. I mean, you do offer a lot for adults, too, that perhaps for further learning, even if they have degrees. Is that on offer at USU? Yeah, actually, the majority of our students actually are uh, post-traditional, we call them, right? So they're not the 18 to 24 um, just out of college, which is the traditional, you know, what you think of as college. And, um, and in fact, it's sort of interesting. These, uh, most of our, you know, when we do um, surveys of our student body to try to find out what, with uh, um, their student fees, would you like to have activities? What would you like to do? They're really just not that interested in, in um, the traditional kinds of activities like a you know, hanging out and do, you know, uh, they're more interested in, you know, they're busy. They've got uh, families, they've got jobs, they're finishing their education and they're interested in things that are going to help support their lifestyles. And so, um, you know, we accommodate that, but it's, it's interesting. We have uh, probably 70%, maybe uh, majority women um, and majority uh, over the age of 24. But in the the average age is 36 ish, something like that. Don't quote me, but but obviously, I mean, it's available for any in, for younger folks too here in the community that are yeah. considering that, so they don't have to go away. That option is available. Now, what about the future? Do you feel foresee that it might become a, a bit of a destination campus too? That people from other places would express an interest in gaining their studies in a place called Moab, Utah. I would Should imagine it would seem quite a an appealing place to to you know to go to university. Yeah, anyone can come. I mean, you know, it's not only, you don't have to be, you know, uh, well, you know, we have resident tuition and then there's out of state tuition. But if you're, you can come even if you're out of state, we'll, we'll take anybody who wants to go to, you know, to attend. Yeah. It's available. Yeah, I understand. I mean, obviously out of, I mean, if you can get fees from out of state too, it's often better for the university from the finish, from an economic standpoint, international Mm -hmm. students, et cetera. They, Mm -hmm. um, any any help for um, kids here that are thinking of going to USU for financial assistance? Um, obviously, there's a lot of flux going on, perhaps at the higher levels for education, and perhaps it might trickle down to benefit. But what what's currently available for a, a prospective student? 
Yeah, you know, I, 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 I'm glad you asked that because we have um, a lot of scholarship and support opportunities. You know, there's the, there's the, you know, the federal um, grants that that's and uh, loans that students can take uh, um, to apply for. But we also have a lot of our. Um, I want to give a shout out to a lot of our community folks who have uh, with their businesses or just personally have scholarships for students that are for USU Moab only. But then also there's scholarships available um, depending on what your discipline is through your the college or the department. Um, and we had uh, during COVID, we were able to sort of um, find some funds knowing that, that we had, you know, just talking to some of our students were really in, in dire straits. And one of the most difficult, you know, we really focus on supporting students and, and we have a, a fairly good understanding of what it is that helps students persist to be successful. And what success is to get that degree, right? To finish and get that certificate or that degree and that success and, um, and then get the job, right? And um, oh, we know that you know, there's hurdles and struggles, especially for post-traditional students, you know, like, oh, forget it. I, this is just too much for me. Right. And so all of this stuff going on, we're like, oh, no, 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 don't quit. Don't quit now. You know? And so um, in talking to them, we knew that there were a lot of them that were really struggling. And it's like, how can we help you? What do you need to help you get through? And so we were able to find some hardship funding. We gave out, I think, $11,000 to um, eight students. 12 of them had applied and we were able to find some other funding for the other the others and then the ones that um, couldn't, you know, we, we just tried to fix stuff for them and they all, they all stayed in they're, you know, they're still taking classes and haven't, have been able to be successful and keep going. Well, I must admit, I'm a little bit optimistic that perhaps uh, I came from a different place. So education at the state level was funded by the state. Um, every mm -hmm. um, high school graduate was able to find something and it was paid for by society it's a it's an interesting twist and a lot of nations do do that and I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that the united states might move in that direction it seems um where i'm from scotland their their philosophy is that they feel that the society is making an investment in future citizens and that the bigger the investment you make in them the better return on investment you get when they become citizens and adults so it's a you know, it's a very pragmatic and sensible thing to look at it. It's and, and, and really wonderful for all the kids in Scotland who take it for granted. <laughs> you know, it's funny because they just expect it. It's not, but there's been, and when you come to the United States, it's, it's definitely a, you know, it's a, it's a stump, it's a blockage for a lot of people to access higher education is the simple fact that it's just not, you know, financially feasible. And it's, which is a little sad, I think, and hopefully that we can improve on that as a society. Well, something, something that I would like to, to mention also with uh, um, our president last, it, it's, um, because we are, it's a long story, but so our tuition at USU Moab for students who have their, you know, their lifetime college credits are 65 or below credits. Um, our tuition is now almost half for those first 65 credits, which is roughly an associate's degree, maybe. Okay. Um, and so a lot of people coming, you know, they've been, they've taken college classes elsewhere and, and they're past the 65 credits. Right. Um, but if you, if you're new and starting and haven't taken, um, college credits or, you know, you don't have quite 65 yet, um, our, uh, tuition fee. So, um, a, a typical semester is, let me see if I can find so uh, we have a, a scale. So it, there's a certain number of uh, a, a, a certain amount per credit, 
right? But up to 12, between 12 and, 11, and 18 credits, it doesn't cost you any more, right? Okay. So it's just kind of this plateau there. So if you take 12 to 18 credits, it's the same price, right? You pay $3,729 in, um, in uh, tuition and fees. Um, and there's some other things. There's some, some programs have uh, extra um, fees on there. But um, now, instead of $3,729, right, it is $2,164. So almost, it's almost half, not quite. Okay. Um, so so that hopefully is helpful for folks in this area. And it's the same price as our campus, the, the same tuition and fees as our uh, campuses and price and blanding okay. so that we're all in this sort of southeastern Utah has um, uh, trying to help students get a start. Um, you know, and again, like I said, we have as, as many kinds of uh, financial aid sure. and um, scholarships and student support, you know, to help help them be successful. Um, I'm proud of we have a, a um, mental health support for, for all students. Um, Lots of, lots of good resources. Funding, of course, is critical not only to attaining an education as a student, but also being a university and attaining a greater status. And I'm just wondering, I mean, I, uh, it seems that the state of Utah has, is a very well-performing state economically. I, that's all the reports I hear from an economic standpoint. We're perhaps one of the best states in the United States, which means we're doing okay. We're doing well, even in a pandemic year. So the prospects, I mean, and USU itself seems to be doing very well. It was a recent news report um, on one of the news channels that um, actually highlighted Logan as a community that there was a pandemic and economic recession, not here. I mean, in other words, Logan is so successful and they really highlighted USU. In fact, Noel Crockett, I believe, is the chance that she the chancellor, the president. President, yeah. President, she was interviewed and she, you know, she said there's 3,000 jobs from USU. So assuming that we can get funding from the state to help us out in our small rural community, do you feel that you are part of the economic diversification that I think the community is really crying out for in a sense that diversifying away from the, the heavily tourist model into something like higher education and that might I, be our future? I, I really do think that um, I, I think that we can certainly play a role in that. On the one hand, you know, we we employ, you know, about 30 people. Well, yeah, our full time staff is about 15, maybe. Okay. And so, um, you know, so we're an employer. But more importantly, I think what what we can do is so for a career in technical education that we have now, um, we can develop, let's say um, there is a, you know, a new industry that comes in, we can help uh, train the workforce for that industry. And so I think that that's a really important role that we can play. And just, um, and like you said, education is so important to help people um, rise in a whole community, uh, be better equipped to deal with changes, you know, and I think that you see that when there's um, a community that has um, help with education, it, it's, it's helpful for the community. Do you have a sense of momentum that might happen once this new campus is built, that there's an inertia that starts happening with like, oh, this seems like, all I can think of, I mean, I've lived in Moab for pushing 25 years now, and 
you know, gone to Grand Junction a lot and seeing what happened there with their higher education model. And it started off really kind of small and, you know, and somewhat not unlike what's going to happen here, but within a generation, it's really developed into a significant economic engine in that particular part of Western Colorado. So it seems like the potential is definitely here for us with the right funding, as you say, we've got the lands there, I think the mm-hmm. wills there and funding is obviously the, the critical thing, is it not <laughs> at the end of the yeah, day? Yeah, Right. But we were, you know, we're trying to set up for the future and whatever the future holds and, you know, however we can play, you know, I, I see us as a support, you know, we, we want to support what the community wants. Right. And so when the community decides if there's a new industry, we can help train that workforce. If the community decides we need a conference center, you know, let's let's explore those options. And, you know, we can. Another thing that's really great about that I really want to emphasize about having this campus, on, you know, here in town, right, versus an online and, you know, we have online things so we can provide so much. But we also have a lot of faculty here. And so we have. Um, Jen Evers is our social work faculty member, and she does so much with her students out in the community doing social work, right, and helping the community be better because of these students out there doing that stuff and and putting and placing them in, in places. We have um, a, a new recreation resource management professor, Wayne Fryman, who um, is very well established, and he has connections here, and he's starting to do some really great um, uh, research with... Uh, helping understand tourism and with there's the uh some great studies where the information that comes from this research will can inform policy and you know help help us make the right decisions and that's again where i think education really um, plays a good role to instead of just shooting from the hip you know what well what what is really going on what we think is going on is that really what's happening here and um, let's make make decisions accordingly Let's circle back just to finish off here because it kind of rounds out nicely is that, and I'll ask you this last question, and obviously the campus is beginning. It seems that our area offers an incredible field lab for so many different subjects from geology to archaeology to anthropology to land management. Do you foresee the university maybe being something different, like saying taking advantage of what we have here, being public lands and access, of course, is another massive you know, thing that you... For example, I mean, it seems no brainer to do a geology major here because you just, you have your textbook outside the door, basically. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. One reason we don't have that already is just because we need, in order to do that, you need, uh, you know, a biology lab, a physics lab, you know, and the faculty to do all those things that are face to face. And we just don't have that yet. But I would love to see that. But what we can do is, um, you know, it's funny, I was just talking today about, you know, like, what is the future here. What is so unique about this campus is this classroom that we have outside, you know, and Dr. Fryman is one of the first, um, you know, sort of uh, nail in in this new structure of what the future of USU MOA might look like. Um, and we're, we're looking towards those natural resources. Well, I think it's very exciting that, you know, it's it's the, I mean, the USU has been around for a long time. Let's face it. It's not a new institution mm-hmm. by any means. But the Moab version of it is really in its genesis. So I look forward to get, reporting back in with you as long as you're representing the university there, Liana. Thank you so much for taking time this afternoon to give us a little update, so to speak.
Yeah. So, and I just want to throw out too that, you know, like with um, CARES, if there happens to be more CARES funding, if anything changes, you know, our best way to get out information when there's sort of new opportunities is, you know, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll get stuff out and let the community know and, and um, go through our as many channels as we can to get info out for opportunities that um, might might cost not much. <laughs> well, thanks for being here and thanks for USU's presence in Moab too. I mean, it has to start somewhere. So, you know, from the acorn, the mighty tree grows. So, you know, generations from now, they'll be looking back. It's planted and it's growing, which is awesome. <laughs> yep, it's sprouting. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll check out with you there. Thank you. I'm going to just check out with Leanne there. She's going to zoom away, so to speak. All right, moving onwards, I'm very delighted to have Jory McCumber. Introduce yourself. How's that? Great. Uh, my name is Jory McCumber, and I'm the uh, new executive director of the Canyon Lands Field Institute. Okay, before we get to CFI, we're going to talk about, because you're, you're a new face in our town, and we just quickly had a quick discussion before we went on air here, and you start all of December 1st, which is not that long ago tell, on about day 45 or so that's right okay let's let, can you tell the listeners out here in the moab community just a little bit about yourself as an individual you know where you're from and a little bit of your background so uh, i grew up in new england and spent most of my time living in new hampshire and working in new hampshire um and in uh, the job i had the longest in new hampshire was as a teacher and a coach and then um administrator at the holdener school in plymouth new hampshire which is a private boarding school in New Hampshire. And then I, um, and that's where I did a lot of outdoor education, actually. I moved to Park City six years ago to work for the U.S. ski team, because I was also a ski coach, oh. to build some education programs for them, because they have all these athletes that are gone in the winter, can't go to regular schooling. And then most recently, I was the executive director of the Kimball Arts Center in Park City, which has a lot of art education programs. Um, and uh, this job came up was posted in the UNA website last June. And I, I just read it and go, wow, what a great job that would be. So I pursued that and eventually got hired in November and started in December. Well, congratulations and welcome to Moab. Although you're probably fairly, reasonably familiar with the area, sounds like. Having yeah, so um, I came as a tourist, you know, came sure. here and mountain biked and did the, my first ride was in the slick rock, slick rock trail like everyone else and then moved out from there. Uh, my wife runs half marathons and i think she's done three of them down here um the one up the ones off of king creek and the ones down in klondike the the trail the the trail runs that's right all right yeah she does trail half marathons yeah okay um and and, uh one of the new things we've learned to do since moving to utah's canyoneering that's been our 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 new sport for us (laughs) well we have canyons like uh unlike as you as your organization you're called canyonlands field institute after all is a certain reason for that um, what did you know about CFI before you got here? Any much about it as an organization? So, uh, literally the first I heard of it was when I saw the job posting Okay. Uh, and did some re- web research there and talked to some people who were connected to it. Um, but I didn't know much about it. Uh, but what struck me was its mission, um, which is care for wild spaces and, uh, <laughs> renewing the human spirit through outdoor education programs. Um, and that really spoke to my heart because as an educator and teacher my whole life, um, by far outdoor education programs have been the most intense experiences, most memorable experiences I've had. So I've taught a lot of history. I was a history teacher uh, and that's great. But the ones I, when I go back to a reunion, we talk about what 
with the other students and alumni. We talk about what we did in the outdoors all the time. Well, of so course, it's, his, it's, yeah. history does tie in quite a bit to this area too. You know, mm -hmm. it culminates all together, doesn't it? You've got this yeah, great outdoors and then, boy, yeah. let's look at the, I mean, I always find this area remarkable and I, I work in the service industry and I try and describe this place to people. And for, for me, you know, the longer I've been here, it feels like this is a museum of time. Mm -hmm. That if you want to see what happens to a little rock out in the middle of a cold space flying around an orbital sun over billions of years, yeah. well, just come to Moab. And, you know, it's, yeah. it goes deep, you know, really deep, like way back there, you know, and the geologists will explain that to yeah. you in that point of view and to the dinosaurs and then yeah. archaeological finds. So the history is, you know, from day one, really, I mean, it's, it's all here, basically, you know, right. it's an exposed, you know, so... Right. Right. And that's what a lot of our programs do is a lot of geological history in our programming and a lot of, also a lot of human history and the petroglyphs and the art of the ancient civilizations are both big parts of our curriculum. You do spend a lot of focus on youth at CFI, it mm -hmm. seems. You want to talk to that a little bit? Yeah. So the, uh, the main focus of our program is to bring school groups uh, for two, three, five day programs. Uh, we have Professor Valley Field Camp out up the Colorado River in Professor Valley. Um, and we do trips on the rivers and in um, the canyon uh, land-based programs as well. Um, and we're looking at uh, science and history and art education, but also uh, lessons around social and emotional learning as well. You get kids out of the classroom and the desks and pens and, pens and paper, and there's a whole new set of lessons they can learn. When Let, they're out in the outdoors. Yeah. Um, so the mission you've told us about now, all of this was going very well and all businesses and all things until 2020 hit, right? And yeah, right. COVID-19 hit. Does, in a way, what you're doing, does it, does it make your process of getting back to your classroom a little bit faster because of just the essence of your programming and how it is all outdoors? As far as so, getting students yeah, back it, into your... question. It's interesting. Um, so obviously... It, our programs, uh, we completely shut down the spring mm -hmm. uh, and we're about half booked in the fall. Uh, and where I study outdoor programs, say New England, uh, they were booked, jammed. And I think the main difference is in New England, there's 30 million people within a three hour drive. And here, obviously not, not as dense. Uh, so that's what I wanna to try to tap into, especially this spring definitely, and, and even more so in the fall, when we sh hopefully vaccines, et cetera, we've turned the corner because I think there will be a pent up um, demand for outdoor education to get back outside. Um, I think also uh, schools are seeing even more so the value of outdoor education because, uh, you know, I, I have a master's in education and all the latest research is really around online schooling and how do we use devices and asynchronous learning. Uh, and I think people are going through their current experience and going, whoa, I've had enough scream time. I need, I need to teach something get me real. Out, get me the hell out. Get me out. Get me out. Uh, so I think there'll be a recentering and understanding the value of, of a direct connection. Uh, so we really want to connect people and nature directly. And uh, you can't, I totally believe you can't really understand something until, until you touch it directly. Um, and so that's, that's what our strength will be going forward. Let me ask you about this spring, because obviously that's coming yeah. up. What are your, you know, obviously it's still a little ways off. Do you have any intentions of any programming? When when do you intend to start programming again, I guess, is my question. Yeah. yeah. So we are booking, actually. Uh, we are 
almost as full as we were booked a year ago before Great. COVID hit. Um, some of them are tentative. They're waiting for you know, certain last steps. Uh, and it's a little bit later. Right now, our first trips start around April 19th. And in a really busy year, they start on April 1st. May is very is booked. And we also have a really good contract for the summer, a new contract. Leadership Adventures Group. Um, so uh, those signs are all actually very good That's for good. our business. Yeah. Do you um, market to local kids? I know there's a lot of um, connection with the local schools here, which yep. is fun. They don't know the, the kids here don't know how lucky they are to have an organization <laughs> like CFI. Because I mean, what do yeah. they know? It's just oh, it's there, right? Do you yeah. also bring? I mean, obviously you'll be attracted. Where do you try and attract? Um, where do you market to? I mean, schools in the area or yeah, what's our uh, our primary markets are basically the four corner states: okay. Colorado, Utah, Arizona, New Mexico. We get some. Uh, from Idaho as well, actually. Um, and uh, actually, in historically, more from Colorado than Utah. A lot come down across I-70 and come from the front range of Denver area here. Um, and for me, that's as we go into this uh, next fall, our, that's our main focus is going to be in the short term, everyone who's an eight-hour drive away. Uh, but in the long run, how do we expand our, more, bring more schools here from around the country? And um, obviously you require a workforce too and mm -hmm. guides and you have the yep. same, a lot of the same issues that a lot of employers have in Moab and not necessarily finding the guides. I think there's a lot of willing people to come here, but it's just, you know, once they get here, how you take care of them, you know, as housing, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Housing is the big one, obviously. Um, and we have a great uh, intern ship program where we hire five interns who come as inexperienced guides, river guides, and learn how to become naturalist educators and how to run rivers. Um, and so when they're with us in the spring, they, we have a bunkhouse at our warehouse. Okay. They can sleep four or five. So most of them stay there. Uh, we actually hired five this year, plus an intern. So we'll have to find a place for two more to be for seasonal workers to stay. And do you that, have that is definitely, I, so I've, uh, well, I've lived, had to work to find my own place to live, but um, I'll, go through, I'll go that for the first time to how to how to staff uh, young people and house house them around here. That's going to be one of my first learning. Well, generally, lessons I, this year. I yeah. think the younger you are, the less you know expectation you might have of your living accommodations. Is that the best way to describe? <laughs> I would, you know, I you're not expecting so. a yeah. mansion up on the hill, right? You're just like um, somewhere where you can crash safely at night and it's dry. Yeah, and yeah. No, my, I have a 24 year old son, and he has a 10 year old Tacoma with a cap because I'm all set. I can go anywhere. <laughs> it's the modern the modern gypsy. Um, That's right. Let's talk about the field camp because, I mean, you may or may not be aware of this. It's a fairly new addition to CFI, mm -hmm. and it was a pretty yeah. generous, I believe, donation from some generous. We have a lot of yeah. generous folks in Mob. I can hardly yeah. tell you. I mean, yeah. it's on, quietly unbelievable, and we're so blessed in that sense that people really care about a lot of things that happen here. That, you expect that to be up and running this summer as a field camp? It will be up and running this summer, and we're doing a bunch of improvements. So the I'm following Carla Vanderzanden, who you need to get on here because at some point, because she started CFI 35 years ago. Yes. She's the founder. Uh, she, maybe she's probably already been on the show. Uh, um, and her story is awesome. Mm -hmm. And her, she's staying. She's not going away. She's still working at CFI. And her main project is we have a, um, about over $200,000 in grant money to improve um, Professor Valley in, for this summer and next year. So we've already added... Um, in the main area, ADA paths. 
so we can get programs safe from the National Ability Center to come down here and spend time oh, great. Um, on that field camp. Uh, we're adding some shade structures for when we're teaching in the hot days that can be shade and improving uh, the TP and tent platforms so that accommodations work better. Um, and all that won't be done done until next December, but we're third or half of the way through now. Carla's really the project manager in that. She's doing all the work on that. One. Again, it's another, I mean, it's yeah. a, for those that don't know about it, it's a fantastic addition. And obviously the more students you can accommodate there, the better it's for your business model too. You know, you right. can obviously, I mean, the more it's, I mean, the educating groups, I mean, you do require, you know, purchases of, you know, education from the students, et cetera. So right. the more you can accommodate them, the, 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 the better the future is for CFI as far as growing, right. I guess. Now, I've kind of focused on a lot of the programs. You do river programs. You talked about it. You do some really very, very interesting adult programs as well. I know obviously children can go on these, but particularly to Rainbow Bridge. I, I did a little research yeah. today and looked at your website. And that's, I mean, yeah. Range Creek is kind of well known right. as far as you have exclusive rights almost to that area, which is apparently one of the richest um, areas archaeologically anywhere yeah. anywhere really on this yeah. planet talk to those yeah. can you talk to those adult programs yeah more so those um all those adult programs are run by carla they are her brainchild and she drives them uh and i haven't gone on any of them yet so <laughs> um i can't speak to them in detail however um they are in fabulous places uh she finds great uh, professors or experts to be on the trips uh, to lead the seminars um, and as you talked about, there's an eagle float in February to see the eagles nesting. We go to Rainbow, we go to Rainbow Bridges in April, uh, the Range Creeks in June. That's uh, truck sort of camping. Um, we take uh, all women's trip down the rivers, women wisened by nature in August. Uh, the, uh, the ancient peoples of LaSalle borderland in September. These are all, well, eagle floats are one day, but the rest are week-long trips or four-day trips. And then we go to Cedar Mesa, Bears Ears, and that's an archaeological study trip. Um, again, Carla is the, is the leader in all those. Uh, she has a bevy of experts that come in on the trips with her, and they're very popular. Um, and there's a detailed description on the website about each of them. They're really cool. You, you kind of mentioned the Bears Ears there, so I can't get by without, you know, maybe venturing into... Um, the future, just a little bit, a little future in time. Yeah. First of all, I mean, from your point of view as an outdoor educator, um, I guess there's been a new interior secretary named. Are you um, feeling better about um, your mission being achieved under this potentially new um, yeah. interior well, secretary? It's, uh, it's clearly a, such a historical moment to have a Native American as interior secretary and a bit of irony, you know, being a history teacher, there's, there's a lot of irony considering what the interior department has done to native people over the centuries. Right. It's not a pretty uh, history. Yeah. Um, well, not all and, um, so that's really exciting. And actually in a, on a family side, um, my wife is the uh, liaison between the university of Utah and the Ute Indian tribe. So she works on that reservation in Fort oh, Duchesne. Wow. Um, so we have a lot of connections there and, um, and I'm looking forward to get, making connections with the Navajo tribe. Uh, so um, I'm excited to see what she can do. I'm a little worried that the expectations will be too high Maybe. for her, right? You know, well, well you know, oh, the... what's, everything's going to change, and it, it, that never happens in Washington. Everything doesn't change, but I think it'll it'll push it in a, in a good direction. I thought I'd throw, um, 
I throw yeah. this out to, and I just kind of thought about this um, a little bit, that the Grand County's literal proximity to our interior secretaries is quite phenomenal, okay? Yes. Yeah. Our predecessor, um, David Bernhardt, who was the interior secretary appointed by the last president, he was from Eagle County in Colorado, which is, you know, you go through yeah. Grand, you're in Mesa County, and there's Eagle County right yeah. there, right? Two yeah. counties away. The yeah. new interior secretary is literally like the same, you know, in the same area. She's literally from two counties away from Navajo County in Arizona, correct? Yeah. And yeah. that's literally through San Juan and you're in Navajo County. So the last two yeah. interior secretaries definitely know about Moab, which I think is always helpful when you're looking that's at policy helpful. making. And the uh, BLM office is moving to Grand Junction headquarters. So. Potentially. I don't know if that will still yeah. happen. Who knows? Oh, okay. You know, who knows? Yeah. That may change. Um, and uh, so uh, Carl actually has great, uh, connections with the Navajo tribe and we do a native teen guide and training program that's on this um, uh, San Juan River that's, that goes along the reservation so we train uh, native teens how to run that river which goes along in their reservation so um, very popular so we get that that's supported by state grants I'm going to circle back to the Bears years a little bit, and you may okay. be aware of this, but Grand County and I believe the city of Moab is going to do this tomorrow both are sending letters of support Mm-hmm. to the president-elect to restore these areas to the mm-hmm. areas that they were originally designed to be in, which in, it, in itself was a compromise. I mean, we know yeah. the actual amount that, that was um, set aside for this incredible piece of earth. I mean, mm-hmm. and I realize there's a lot of issues out there, and hopefully groups like CFI are a great way to bridge perhaps some of the, and educate the, the groups as to why there's such a significant importance to these mm-hmm. areas and respect the history of the things, so to speak. Yeah. I'm talking of your predecessor. Um, I wouldn't, yeah. I, I would be really hard. To, um, I did mention her name in another um, thing. Mm-hmm. She is very intertwined with our community, but you got some big yeah. shoes to fill there, buddy. And nothing to, I do. <laughs> not that you're new <laughs> on the job or anything, but she has I been know. a phenomenal. Uh, I know. That's what everyone says. They go, just, we're I so blessed. Like, everyone goes, yeah. She, I get about a sense or two into it. And she goes, when I talk about her being on the river, you, they go, you got to go on the river with her. She's a badass. <laughs> so uh badass guide so um i'm looking honestly um i think uh i really look at i really enjoy learning from her and talking with her we have a good connection um i'm a different skill set i'm not a river guide uh, i'm not from moab um my most of my career has been in school so i am an educator so i'm bringing a different set of experiences a different set of skills and I think having her around actually we will complement each other really well. And I think uh, running a school or running a business, uh, she may be a little tired of that. <laughs> we want to spend more time on the river guiding and this will allow her to do that. Um, so uh, I look really look forward to learning from her and working with her because she's not going away anytime soon. Um, it's her baby. She is. She's not going to oh, let yeah. it go. And I did say that. I go, this is like giving away your baby. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's ask a couple of things. And again, thanks yeah. to Carla. How are things looking from your, you know, from your organization's point of view financially? I know you depend yeah. a lot on funding. Is that being going okay mm-hmm. as far as you know? I mean, obviously you're... Yeah. Right. So um, uh, the, the grants and fundraising are going along pretty well. The bookings are about half of where they were for the year, two years ago. So that's behind. And we're applying for another PPP grant. Uh, we haven't spent all our EIDL money. So... Without another PPP grant, we'd, we're in trouble. Okay. Um, but I think we'll get it. Yep. Um, and actually, 
we'd be in trouble. We're at seven employees now. We used to be nine or 10. So we've cut, you know, 20% of our staff, if you look at it that way, since the, um, since COVID hit. So the real goal is to get back to being fully employed. Um, I, my, my uh, optimistic view is that if we, can, if we can get another round of PPP like last round, that'll get us to the fall and the fall should be, um, we could fill it up again in the fall. Okay, there are opportunities for locals out there to get involved with CFI. Do you want to talk yeah. a little bit about membership and such just a little bit, touch yeah. on that? We've got a couple minutes uh, left. So here. we have different levels of memberships that give you discounts on our programs and uh, bring us to, uh, we have different membership events. Um, we have two big ones, actually, a river cleanup and then a, an a event up in La Salle's in the summer. And we have a new Vista worker who are, you know, coming up AmeriCorps that's working on creating um, what will be a monthly schedule of membership events. And the idea is that obviously we like that you join and, and pay us a little be a member, uh, but we want to create a community that enjoys being together. Um, and um, actually the, the group that we kind of admire is the Youth Garden Project and their membership group. We're saying, how, how, can we, how can we be as effective as they are with their members? Grow some vegetables. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, they, you know, they, they have a, a regular time when you can come after work and help sure. a little bit and it's, it's social. And so we're trying to figure out how to implement something like that. So it's it, it, the membership part, of course, it helps financially, but it's really to, to help create a community of people enjoy each other, enjoy the outdoors. Well, and, uh, and we, we can share some of our programming so every time you come, you learn something too. And that's, that, you, the teacher side of me, there's nothing more exciting than learning something new. And um, if we can paint that part of our membership program, that'll be great. Well, I think your role as an educator in this community is going to be critical to the, I think the direction that the community is heading in, and that's to being stewards, steward, you know, better stewards of this place. And mm -hmm. obviously you're probably aware that there's a pretty vibrant tourist industry going on in Moab yeah. as well, yeah. right? Which has yeah. all sorts of effects. And I think the goal is now to move towards better visitors. You know, how do we yep. educate them and, and make them understand how, how beautiful yep. and how much of a museum this place is, is kind of getting back to that thing. And right. really your organization is a big bridge towards that education mm -hmm. process. So thank you for yep. all you do and good luck. Yeah, thank you. You, know, you got through this year or in 2020. And if you can get through 2021, I think we're all going to be such a resilient you know, individuals yeah. and, and organizations. Yeah. So thanks again for your time. We'll, we'll yeah. check in with you from time to time. Okay, thanks. Okay, I appreciate Jordan. you having me on. No problem. Uh, thanks again. Come on one of our trips. Indeed, we'll go, indeed. We'll check them out online. Together. Fantastic okay. website. So check it out there, folks. Okay.